Ibele, I was saying the conversation I mentioned to the church about looking for opportunities to be a witness and have some conversations with my sons um, while I was in, and uh, Joshua went to services with us last week, and uh, he and his wife apparently, and I knew lots of times when the baby comes along, they'd already been talking about getting in church, back into church, and uh, so the church where we went to, uh, I appreciate the pastor there. He was, he remembered Josh when he had come there before and was very encouraging to him. And so do pray for them that they will and had the opportunity there. And then uh, over a meal on Friday, my days are running together. On Friday, um, had an opportunity in Cracker Barrel and my, my son Andrew's got a, a voice that carries kind of like mine. So our conversation... <laughs> in the corner of Cracker Barrel, probably drifted out into the <laughs> at least to the t- t- table next to us. But anyway, had the opportunity to, to, to uh, address some things there with him. Uh, uh, again, uh, so I now know one of the things I did learn in that conversation is how to better, how to, how to address him. I can't address him as a son in those kind of conversations now. I have to address him as an academic because that's the way his mind is. And, um, and, uh, and that's the way that he, you know, he, he wants to, uh, he, it, I'm not going to get into a debate. I'm going to say, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> and that's, way I, that's my debate. But, um, but I, I, the way that he was asking me questions and, and he was listening to my answers. And, uh, you know, I pulled out my phone. I have a Bible app, so... You know, I didn't have this Bible in with me, but I had this, and I was able to, to scroll, and he's talking about some of the other versions of, the, of, of Scripture that's out there, and I told him what was wrong with them, and, and uh, so on and so forth, and when I was telling him that, he was looking up, I guess, the versions uh, on his phone and seeing that I was right, and uh, so on and so forth. So, again, I think it, uh, because I didn't um, condemn him, I mean, I have before, but uh, uh, in that conversation, it just didn't attack him. But the Bible tells, you know, God said, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. And there was a reasoning. You know, you can, you can get in conversation with folks and, and reason, listen to what they have to say, be able to address back and go back and forth. Not a debate, but a reasoning together. You can get to a place where you can just go, you know, just put the hammer down. That puts up a wall. There's nothing going to be transpired after that. Forget it. Like I've said before, an example that I've used, you can be out street preaching, and I can take this same Bible, and I can hold it up in the air, and I can point to my finger and say, you're going to hell to the people that's passing by, maybe down at uh, the park or down at the courthouse or on the street corners, people's passing by. I can say, you're going to hell, and according to this word, I'm saying right, they are going to hell. But I can take the same word, stand on the same street corner, stand on the same sidewalk, and say, you don't have to go to hell. See where this one? When I say, you're going to hell, there's the wall. They don't want to hear that they're going to hell. But when I pose the question, or I pose the 
the comment that you don't have to go to hell, then they're, wait a minute, that puts a question in their mind, in their heart, am I going to hell? Then they would be a little bit more apt to open up to you with that conversation. Who says I'm going to hell? Well, let me show you. See what I'm saying? So I think wisdom in how we deal with people, and again, finding out where they're at, what level they're on, how much scripture they know. Uh, My son knows a lot of scripture, and one of the things about the university he just graduated from, Liberty University, which started off as a a Baptist college, it's grown into a university. They they still do have biblical principles, as we heard a whole lot in there, but then they've, you know, you can take, a lost person can take biblical principles and apply them to their lives and benefit from it. And so that's, you know, we've seen some of that in their music and things and the way they carry themselves. But uh, anyway, I appreciated the opportunity to, to talk with my sons along those lines. Um, our main text of scripture is going to be in Psalm 78. Psalm 78 today. But uh, I am going to go to the book of Proverbs in my, in my introduction. Um, so if you want to, like, find Psalm 78, hold your place and, and turn with me some little bit in the Proverbs, then, then you can uh, as far as uh, being able to introduce the, the message here this morning. Um, like I said, I got the little nudge. Uh, Lisa carried home uh, the old orange ottoman, ottoman that Brother Hall prayed himself through Bible college, and uh, not only in the knowledge, but then in finances. Um, and he had to pay his way through Bible college and pay his children's way through pi- uh, private school there at the Christian school that he was attending, and uh, so on and so forth. And he prayed his way uh, on that or- orange ottoman, and several other prayers went up um, and, and as they're getting rid of stuff, Brother, or Brother Hall asked his children what they wanted, and Lisa said he wanted, she wanted the orange ottoman, his prayer altar, basically. And I asked her, I said, well, will you use it like he used it? And I also pray that God would give her a double portion and me a double portion <laughs> of what he had. That's probably saying a lot. That being said, as I got up this morning, it, it didn't make it past the living room. So uh, I bowed down on the orange ottoman this morning and prayed and felt the Lord directing back to this passage of Scripture. But on this Mother's Day, again, if he wanted me to preach something else that I was praying, I went to all these women in the Bible, all these mothers in the Bible. I've been in churches, and there's nothing wrong with this. The Bible does tell us to honor our father and our mother. And it's the first commandment with promise that we live long. And I'm not quoting it, I'm just referring to the, uh, referencing the verse of Scripture, and we are to honor our father, and we are to honor our mother. And uh, sometimes when our father and our mother are unhonorable, it's difficult to do. But try to find some, some place to honor them. Uh, I like Psalm 27, uh, 10, when my father... When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. My parents divorced when I was five. Many have heard my testimony. So dad wasn't always around. My stepfather's 
two of them was not always what they needed to be. One of them did get saved, I believe. I believe he did. I think he got saved when my, my mom separated from him the last time. I think he got saved, and then he came back and tried to get her to take him back, but um, she didn't believe him because of, I guess, past experiences, and she went ahead and divorced him. And I, I think that was one of my mom's uh, biggest regrets uh, because he has lived a saved man's life since that time. And I thank the Lord for that. But um, anyway, so my parents, that, uh, so I know households, it's not always that nuclear family, you know, the, the leave it to beaver kind of family. <laughs> My father's son's kind of family, whatever, the leave it to beaver, mom, dad, you know, homemaker, whatever, that, you know, the, the 50s um, television programs are, are cracked up to be. You know, some of us lived on 70s country music when, you know, he left, she left, uh, the, the dog bit him and the truck broke down, kind of, that, that was my home, <laughs> Uh, sad to say. And I know many of you are as well. And so lots of times when a preacher will get up in here and, and preach that type of home, the godly home, the godly father that leads right, the godly mother that leads right, the children that obey, the children that honor, the children that respect, the children that follow, the wives that submit, the fathers that love... <laughs> Husbands that love, like we've been going through. If we don't have the examples in our lives to draw upon, it's difficult. If we don't have, you're like, wow, that's foreign to me because my, my, my life, my childhood was a mess. My marriages have been a mess. So on and so forth. I thought about this, and this, I am going to draw upon this, so just bear with me for a minute. There's passages, or passages, there's songs here in the, word, in the song book, like my mother's Bible. There's a dear and precious book, though it's worn and faded now, which recalls those happy days of long ago, when I stood at mother's knee with her hand upon my brow, and I heard her voice in a gentle tones and low, Blessed book, precious book, oh my dear old tear-stained, uh, oh thy dear old tear-stained leaves I love to look. Thou art sweeter day by day as I walk the narrow way that leads to a, uh, at, that leads at last to that bright home above. Talking about mom's Bible, but we've got people in here that never seen their mama crack the Bible open. And this come true to me because we were singing in the choir at Island Ford years ago, and there was a man in the choir that said, can we not sing that song anymore? You know, we want to get Mother's Day songs prepared and so on and so forth. And we were singing, um, if I could hear my mother pray again, how sweet and happy, how sweet and happy seem those days of which I dream when memory recalls them now and then, and with what rapture sweet my weary heart would beat if I could hear my mother pray again. All right, if I could hear my mother pray again, if I could hear her tender voices then, so glad I'd be, it would mean so much to me if I could hear my mother pray again. We sing it as a choir, and he says, I can't, he goes, I can't sing that song. 
He goes, I've never heard my mother pray the first time, let alone desiring to hear her pray again. He didn't have that connection. And it's a sad testimony, but it helped me to realize and remember and know that there's people out there that's like that. And then it helped me to kind of look and recall, have I ever heard my mama pray? And if I did, it was not, it was not the it was not the prayers that I heard my grandmother pray. This is my first preaching Bible, and I, I have my grandmother here in this because it was her prayers. And the prayers of my Sunday school teacher and her deacon husband that I attribute to my salvation. If I could hear my grandmother pray again, but again, I, I have to really, really stretch to come up with a memory if I could hear my mother pray again. You know, and then on Mother's Day, I know this is so awkward, being in, being in churches that, you know, make much of, and we're to honor our fathers and our mothers, but it may, they make so much, and they don't have the little gifts, and they have the, the little, they have the people standing, there's nothing wrong with this. They have the, you know, the, the, they have a gift for everybody, and then they have the oldest mother that's present, uh, and they give an extra gift to, and then they have the youngest mother that's present, and they give the extra gift to, and then they have the, the mother with the most children in attendance, and they give a little extra gift to. But then there's women that's sitting there in the congregation that they have a desire to be a mother, a barren womb. You know, and they've never experienced the physical opportunity to be a mother for whatever reason. There's married women that never have born children, and then there's there was women in the church that never married. And to see all the women around them honored and lifted up to the point where and so I went several years that way, and then I was, and then a pastor. We was in a church that did all the, what I just talked about as far as honoring the women, and then he had all those barren women and all those single women stand up, and it was like just a very awkward time. He tried to honor, tried to whatever, but it made it even more awkward. They were all, the, the feelings that they were already bearing within their heart, it made it more awkward to have them stand up and to, to, to recognize them in that service. And I think about people like that. And so in light of that, just keep that in mind, some of these, these, this, these, these things, there is there are scriptures here that, Proverbs discusses, and no children that are in here that's old enough to listen and understand. My son, verses Proverbs 1, 8, My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. There's some, some mother's law out there that you need to listen to. For the, Here's what the instruction of your father and the law of your mother will do, for they shall be an ornament of grace unto thy head. And thy chain and chains about thy neck. Proverbs six twenty through twenty four. My son, keep thy father's commandment and forsake not. Here it is, the law of thy mother, and it, bind them continually upon thine heart, and tie them about thy neck. When thou goest, it shall lead thee. When thou sleepest, it shall keep thee. When thou awakest, 
It shall talk with thee, for the commandment is a lamp and a law and reproofs of instruction are the way of life to keep thee from the evil woman, from the flattery tongue of the strange woman. Proverbs 10.1 A wise son make, maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. We know examples of that. Proverbs 15.20 A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son despiseth his mother. Proverbs 20.20 20, Whoso curseth, curseth his father or his mother, his, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Proverbs 23, 22, Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. And then Proverbs 31, The words of King Lemuel, the prophecy that his mother taught him. So what, what, was, what was written in Proverbs 31 about that virtuous woman? And prior to that, some, some cautioning uh, of some, some how to be a king and how to conduct himself as a king came from instruction of a mother. And I said all that to say this. There is a law of mother, and, and, and we are, and, I, and, and to keep, you know, the Bible just talked about it, they shall, they shall, it shall keep thee when thou awakest, it shall talk with thee. And there's so many times when I left home, and I, I'm praying this for Jesse because he's getting ready to, to actually be out from underneath his, his brother even. He's, he's getting his first place of his own. Well, his first apartment, that's another long, but anyway, he, he's going to be, there's going to be times that he's going to have his, his own space. He's going to be out there on his own. And I'm praying when he lays down, he'll, he'll remember some of these instructions of the father and laws of the mother. And, they'll, and, and when he wakes up, that they'll be with him. I know Ryan has worked away from home on the boats and things like that. And, and, uh, and I've been away from home uh, before I married as a single man in the Air Force. And there's times that, you know, you, you just recall the times of home, especially around holidays, you know, uh, about how that the holidays were. If you couldn't get home for the holidays, those memories that come flooding back and the instructions that come flooding back and the law that comes flooding back, you know, those, those things that we learned as a young child, how to conduct ourselves actually coming around and, and becoming in, to fruition in our lives that we can, we can remember that we, we were first taught that at the knees of mama, at the hand of daddy. And we can take those instructions and we can apply that uh, in this. And so Psalm 78 here, I'm going to include all the women because... And, and again, as I was driving down the road and because of remembering those awkward moments and things like that, I, I began to, to think about the dynamic of Sooner Rose Baptist Church. You know, I'm not preaching to the crowd that I preached to last Sunday night. I'm not preaching to some other crowd. I'm preaching to you that's here this morning. And, and, and as I pastor this church, I often, I often look at the scripture, I often look at the text that God has pointed me to and directed me in, and, and, and I think about the dynamic of our church. Who, who is here? And, I, and, and like we, I pointed out before, to, to make the scripture relevant to you, that you might take it and take it out to your lives and apply it to your lives in your walk day by day, Monday through Friday. So I look at Pam... And last year, whenever I mentioned something along those lines, she, 
she kind of teared up because of a barren womb. So far, Marquis not bore any children of her own. And I know I don't, and these ladies are not here today. And, but at the same sense, you go to camp, and, and even Sister, Sister Tina, you go to camp, and Pam is the grandmother, aunt, whatever, to, to a lot of children. She's got a gift for everybody, and she goes traipsing down through the woods with a whole ton of them behind her. And, and now God has got uh, Tina in a place that she is raising one. Mothering one, if you want to put it that way. And then to see Marquis with Regina's children. And the influence that she has in their lives. So just because there's not, and, and I actually sent a text to all my girls, all my daughters-in-law, my daughters this morning, and my future daughter-in-law who has already taken my two grandchildren kind of under her wing, and she's and they're planning on getting married, and they're planning on uh, having children of their own, but currently they're not. She will be a stepmother to, to my son's two children, but to see her interact with them, she's already an influence positively in their lives, encouraging them in, about their future, and, and she's already showing a love for them. So though they're not her natural children, and, and though, though um, uh, you know, these other ladies maybe not, don't have any children of their own, they are an influence and can be an influence to those children that are coming up under them or, or are around them. And there's where my, there's where my little twist on, the, on the, the, um, the message and the thought is on this Mother's Day. Yes, there are women that have been able to bear and have born children, and there is a law of the mother that they need to give to their children. But for those never, that never have born any of their own from their own womb, there are children in your lives that you are currently influenced. I think of Miss Debbie back here also who has children. But then I also see her with the, <laughs> these smaller grandchildren that she brings in of Kara's that she brings in and the influence that she has on their lives and the lives of her granddaughters as well. So, and then even one of the first two or three times that Virginia stayed here for our, um, our fellowship back here. I mean, she was like a baby magnet, you know. I seen her toting Millie around the building. I'm like, what's that all about? You know, they're just almost, a, you know, not really familiar with her yet, but Millie took right to her. And then I think of Amber's little children that, that she influenced as well. So like I said, even though there are women here that maybe have not born or maybe have grown children, the ladies here can still be an influence to those children that are around them and that God has allowed them to be around and put in their lives. Psalm 78, verse number 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He hath done. 
For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. So there's a third generation there. That they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and might be not as... Might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Let's pray right here. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day, and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand again and preach. Pray, Lord, that you'll take the message, and Lord, help us all to apply it, Lord, not us, not only as women and, and mothers, Lord, but we can apply it as fathers, many of these points as well. And I pray, Lord, that the men here will, will, will do so as well. And I pray that you'll guide and direct in the services and the, and, and the thoughts this morning. Help me as I preach them. And I ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So here again, it says, Give ear, O my people, to my law. And though we are not under the law, there are still commandments that we ought to keep according to the word of God, even in the New Testament. If you love me, keep my commandments. But um, this is talking to the Old Testament, the children of Israel. It says, I will open my mouth in a, in, a, in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children to have be a mother and a father. You have to have children, right? And so, again... These mothers and fathers that bore children, uh, we, they're, they're to share these, uh, these, uh, these laws and they're share the word of God. If you'll turn, I'm kind of probably getting ahead of myself a little bit, but hold your place there and turn to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 4, or I'm sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 6. I know Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Here we go. Deuteronomy 6. And verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thine soul, and with all thy might all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shalt be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them how? Diligently. Not just in passing. And I know I've failed as a parent there. But diligently, teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they, and thy, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write upon them, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and, and on thy gates. So teach them diligently to thy children. And then learn them yourselves. I mean, put, put it, keep it on the walls of your house and it put you know, frontlets in between your eyes. You're constantly seeing the Word of God on your hand. Speak of them when you get up. Speak of them when you lay down. 
you know, as you give instruction to your children, the instruction to your children on how that they should live should come right out of here. God says this. You know, and say, Johnny, you told me a lie. And God says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Johnny, you stole that bubble gum. Now we're going to go back in and we're going to pay, you know, you know, you see them in the back seat and they're pulling it out and they're like chewing this gum and you didn't buy no gum and they didn't get, you don't have any gum in your purse. Where did you get that gum? Well, while you was paying the clerk and all that temptation that was right there, <laughs> they just went, you know, they walked out with it and they get out to the car and now they're chewing this bubble gum. And I've, I've done it. I done it. And guess what? Mom seen it. Guess what we did? We went back in and I, I had to pay for it. She gave me the money. But still yet, for me to say I took this without paying for it was a lesson. And I had to pay for it. And the shame that was upon me, did I do it again? No. But say, take this and as the reason why we had to go back in and pay for it. Because thou shalt not steal. God said so. So give instruction. Keep this. Talk about it in the home. These are the reasons that we're doing this. God said. These are the reason we don't do this. God said. Keep it before them. All that law. Because that law is our schoolmaster according to the, to the New Testament. And then that schoolmaster teaches us that we are sinners as was talked about in the, in the Sunday school. It teaches them that you're a sinner. So that when they get to that age of accountability, that age, that understanding of the knowledge of good and evil. When they realize that they're doing wrong within themselves. The innocence is no longer there. Then God can deal with them as a sinner and they can be saved. Anyway. So, we will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of the Lord. And his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Share God's blessings. There's been times that we had a need in our home. <laughs> Most of the time, it's been a financial need. Seven mouths to feed, you know. Said, you know, we, we, we fed a whole bunch of them on deer meat. Of course, any meat was deer. <laughs> There's times that we didn't have any meat, not even round steak, you know, bologna. Uh, it was beans and cornbread. And that was it. And lots of times we didn't have any, any, any pork or any kind of meat to put in the beans to season it with. It was just salt and pepper. That's it. And water. It's a whole lot easier to eat when you season it with some bacon or some good pork. I'm not making everybody hungry. Pork fat or something like that. And it's simmered all day long. And you got that smell. But it's, it's just salt and pepper. My daughter in Muskogee, Rebecca, she hates beans, doesn't like beans. She married a man that doesn't like beans, so they're good. But lots of times, if that was what's on the table, and you're just going to eat what's on the table. And I've seen her piddle and push, and I said, they're better when they're warm. Eat them while they're hot. And she would just let it get cold and eat a bite and just 
take a drink, chew them up with an extra drink in her mouth just to get them down. That's what we had. Lots of times it's been financial, so there's been times that I've called in the whole family trying to show forth what we're talking about, trying to be an example, trying to include them in the prayer. Family, we have this need. We don't have the money for this need. I want you to help me pray. And we all get around the living room and we just pray over this need. Did they have the faith to believe? Probably not. (laughs) Were they saved? Probably not. But to bring them in and to include them in my prayer for God to meet this need, then when God met the need, I could bring all the family back into the, into the uh, living room and I say, remember, we prayed in the living room about this need. Well, God done, went and done, God done went and done it again. He provided for this need. Share your blessings. So many times the father and the mother interact with the bills... The father and the mother interact with all the things, and I know it's not to be not to burden the children with them. But as the children are getting older and get some understanding and know that you know they hear talk of dad's got to pay this bill, you know mom's got what's the bill, mom? <laughs> they get in those question those questioning years. What's the bill, mom? Why do we have to do? Why can't we go to McDonald's, mom? <laughs> because we have to pay this bill. Or why is it that we're only going to McDonald's and not down there to the steakhouse like Susie and Johnny's parents does? Because we got this bill to pay. We can't afford the steak. I might can afford a dollar. It's probably not even a dollar menu now because even the Dollar Tree's gone up, right? <laughs> You've been there. But share with them the blessings. When God sends in the extra, then say, hey, family, look what God's done. When God provides something that was just out of the way, God did it. When, when, when the man pulls up, we've had it happen, man pulls up in the driveway, and he says, here, come on out, help me. God laid this on my heart to bring this, and he's got, he's got banana boxes full of canned goods. He didn't know that your cupboard was empty, but God laid it on his heart to buy this extra while this down at the, at the store. They come carrying in, and you make much of that in front of the children. Share God's blessings with your children. So many times we, we rejoice maybe as a couple, we rejoice in ourselves, but we fail to, to point that to our children, and our children don't know where the blessings are coming from. We don't make much of where our blessings are coming from. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above. From the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That's why at Christmas time, I make much of what God gives us. Not the other fella up north. Where did... I had the ability to go and earn this paycheck because God gave me that ability. When when the extra ham or the extra turkey or the extra whatever comes in, 
to the household. Praise God for it and say, make much of what God has done for the family to your children. Share blessings to your children because like I've told the testimony before and it's just one of those things that has stuck in my heart. Milford Biddle, Sister Biddle, I can't think of her name, Sister Biddle. Their daughter married a preacher. I have to go through this to get his, their last name. Uh, Rowling, Roland, Roland, Sister Roland. She was, we was in a service and I mean it went out the roof. She's up there playing an accordion. She's getting ready to sing. You know, just going through a couple of chords while she's testifying. She talked about how that mama prayed. She, she could sing that song if I could hear my mother pray again because mama prayed. Mama had a prayer closet. Mama had an orange ottoman. Mama, mama had, she said, she goes, when they had a need, mama would just say, now you children be quiet. I want to go back here to the back bedroom. They all knew what mama was getting ready to do in the back bedroom. She's getting ready to get a hold of God. And she said, she said, I've seen that so many times. And she's going through the chords on that accordion. I can still, I can still picture her right now. She said, I've seen that so many times. She said, but there come a time that I had a need. In my life that I had a need. And she said, I remember mama would go back to the back bedroom. And she said, I never did have a prayer place. And she goes, if, if God would do that for my mama, which mama shared these blessings with her family? Then surely God might do it for me. So she went to the back bedroom. And guess what? And God did it for her too. But the children has got to see that in their lives. And again, make an application and see where it can apply to the men. But make an application to the ladies in here. The ladies that's influencing children that are in your lives. As they're coming up, maybe they don't have a praying mama. If they can see a praying grandmama, just like my praying grandmother, many times walking in, seeing her next to her bed, we walk in the front door immediately, there was her bedroom. And to see her in, there was a teenage boy coming in, and she's getting ready for bed, she had her little routine, you know. she got to go make sure that the dishes were done, if there was a dish or two in the sink. And she's going to go to the bathroom and Brush her teeth and gargle with her Listerine. You hear her gargle. <laughs> Take her medicines, whatever she had to do. And she's going to, you know, go in, put on her gown. And then she's gonna, she got down beside the bed, turned off the lights, and she was down by the bed, just a living room light going in on to her. But I could hear my grandmother pray. I could hear her calling out my name. And the influence that you can let, let them hear, share the blessings. That brings us to the next point real quickly. Establish a testimony. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law. And I know that this is talking about the Testament. The Old Testament, we have the New Testament. But he established a testimony, it says, in Jacob. Again, that refers to Israel. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. I'm going to make application this way. Has he established a testimony in you? Do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony with the Father? Can you say that I have experienced victory in Jesus? 
that, that song, other song, that I have been washed in the blood? Do you have a testimony of a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? And if you do, that they may make them known to their children. You don't have to. Maybe God gave you children after you were saved. They didn't, they didn't know the former life of you. And you don't have to go into all the gory details and glorify sin. You could simply say like the songwriter, I once was lost, <laughs> but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was a sinner. And yes, maybe I uh, you know, went to jail. Maybe I... Uh, again, you don't have to go into all the details where you're glorifying sin, but just say, son, daughter, this is where I was. I was lost without Christ. I was a sinner, but God saved me. That old life is something that you don't want. It's a life of misery. It's a life of pain. It's a life of discomfort. But you don't have to have that life. I was there. You can learn from my mistakes. Look, just follow Jesus. I was lost, and now I'm found. There was a time, there was a time, there was a song that we sang uh, in, uh, in the choir. There was a time, there was a place. Where it say? There was a time, there was a place where Jesus saved my soul from sin. He brought me out. Yes, he so freely took me in. Now I rejoice the whole day long. Within my heart there is a song. But there is a time and there was a place. Take, tell them about that time. I've stood and told you testimony. In May of 1981 in the intermediate Sunday school of the Meadowbrook Baptist Church, there was my time and my place that God saved me. And my children heard that testimony. Look, do you have a testimony that you can share with your children? Are you saved? And if so... Are you sharing that? You don't, again, don't have to go into details. My, my son, the one that'll drink on Saturday night, be in church on Sunday morning, he just knows what buttons to push. He tries. I, I don't give in. I don't let him push my button. He wants to. But, you know, he makes these little statements that just grates under my skin. I want to smack him. <laughs> but I just, I don't let him see that it affects him. Because I know that as soon as I let him see it, then he, then he you know, then he's going to take it the next step further. He's going to find that second button to push. But he'll make statements like, he just graduated from college. He said, yeah, we, we, we need just to pop a top. And, and celebrate my graduation. Oh, he's talking about because we had two campsites next to each other. And he said something about, yeah, rolling in and, and popping the top and, and celebrating his graduation. I said, if you pop a top, he said, you stay over at your campsite. I don't want that mess over here. I don't. And he knows I don't. But again, he's just pushing just pushing. He knows. But see, he knows. That's just, that, that's, he knows where I stand. Does your children know where you stand? Does your children know that you've got a testimony? 
Have you shared it with your children? Make them known to the children. Verse number 6, that the generation might come, uh, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which, be, uh, which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. When you're standing with your testimony, you got them on your knee, and you're reading them that Bible, Bible story. And you say, you know, my mama and my daddy shared this with me. I was holding Braylon. He's less than two weeks old, 13 days, 12 days old. And I'm holding him. His great-grandpa, he said, I don't like them holding them when they're, they're, that, they're just too little for me when they're that. But I'm holding him, looking at him, you know. They don't do nothing, just, that's it. They don't, don't coo and they don't, they don't interact. When you look at them, they do open their eyes. They don't, they're, they're still beyond you. They're somewhere, I don't know. They're just, I, it's a baby. Hallelujah, he's mine. I like them when they're about three months, when they start knowing you're there. But anyway, but I'm holding him and I'm rocking him and I'm, Loving on him, kissing him, smelling him. Got good, the good baby smell. But there was a time that I reached down in his ear and I said, you know you're a sinner? <laughs> you're born in iniquity? And I said, but God said in John three sixteen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, he's two weeks old. But I told him he was a sinner, lost and without Christ. He was born that way. But God sent his son. See, but see, somebody did that to me. I can, I can share that with that next generation. And hopefully his daddy will get to the place.